0: Hello, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Broski Doodles podcast with you. Like always, Kiko Flow, Kiko Cervantes. Thank you for tuning in and listening to Rambo for a bit. Uh, I have a few interesting topics to touch on today. We recently had the passing of Maradona, you know, a, a very prominent um, person and figure in the, in, in, in the world of football. And I want to talk about a bit of the reactions that I saw from people and I also wanted to talk about a new mini series that I watched on Netflix it's called the Queen's Gambit I thought it was great great work and I wanted to touch upon some of the concepts and and topics that they touched on it before I get to all that I wanted to share with you some of my experiences that I've had in the recent days with my neighbors I think that, you know, in Europe, neighbors are more part of your life than maybe in the Americas because of the amount of space and restriction that you have, right? It's not as private as you would want it to be in Europe. Because, you know, it was all built like back in the day, so it's it's all very crowded all, you know, if you live in the center of a city in Europe, you're rarely gonna see houses it's all gonna be you know apartments sort of more like New York type style but just very crushing to each other and recently I had some new neighbors move and you know they're very festive they're very they have a lot of music all the time I believe they are Colombian I think and and you know it's it's fine like I myself play music loud and by law here you can pretty much have music up to midnight, and it's fine. It doesn't it doesn't bother me per se. A lot of times they're cooking, so I even get the smell of their of their food. You know, very ethnic Latin food. And for a while, I guess uh, the the apartment next door hadn't had people in it, so I never really felt any neighbors. So now I'm I'm sort of you know feeling it. And I started to think, what would be the correct approach when you have neighbors? Is it either try to meet them and, like, have a good relationship with them or not, you know, get involved too much? Because I started thinking, if I get too friendly, I don't want them to think that they can approach me at any time, like, to bother me. You know, I'm a person that I don't like to be bothered. I don't like, you know, to be... Yeah, I mean, I don't bother anybody. just do not bother me either. So... You know, maybe if you are friendly with them, then they they have a you know they get clingy or some shit. So I don't know. I just thought it was funny. I know that in the U.S. if you live in houses, it's a little less uh, of a chance that you're gonna be dealing with neighbors. But here in apartments and very close quarters, it is something that you live with. You know, you hear people. I had another sort of situation with another neighbor that has a similar apartment number than mine's but not really it's just that the delivery people from amazon and you know everything that i order to be honest bro they're just fucking retarded like they don't look at the fucking paper like not only do i put the correct address but i even put like a note letting them know like sort of like i expect for you to get confused maybe so i'm clarifying this is how to get to my door And they always go and knock on other people's door. And recently Amazon has gotten like a new thing where they deliver shit like Saturday and Sunday like a fucking nine in the morning. So some neighbor has been being bothered a lot. They call on his fucking uh, apartment to deliver my shit. And, you know, he says that it's not him. So recently they delivered some shit here. But they had gone to his apartment first. So then he came to talk to me, like, oh man, you're putting the address wrong. You know, they're always talking on my on my door to, to deliver stuff. And I'm just like, hey, dude, to be honest, I put exactly where the address is. And these motherfuckers just don't follow it, you know? It ain't my fault. I feel you. Um, you know, like I said, I'm clarifying it on the address when I, you know, order shit. But these motherfuckers don't read it, you know. And he wanted to get, you know, the defensive side, like, like, you know, like, oh, man, this happens all the time. You know, If otherwise I'm going to, like, just receive the packages, you know. And I'm just like this piece of shit person, right? Like when you meet people and you're like, oh, I get it. You're a piece of shit person, right? You have mental problems, right? You have a chip on your shoulder. So so you want to act like the tough guy in a in situation, you know. I don't give a fuck. If, if, he, if, if he wants to keep a fucking package, I'll just write to Amazon. I'll tell him, yo, I didn't receive shit, so give me back my money or send it to me again. But the fact that this motherfucker got like that, you know, uh, I just told him, like, oh, dude, I like your attitude. You do what, you know what, you do you. You think what you should, you do what you think you should, you know. And, and that's it, you know. I wanted to sort of go with it in a... Uh, Passive way. And to be honest, I was very, you know Decent. But if he had approached me with a more like, hey man, these people are knocking on my door every day, like for real dude, like I don't Okay, maybe I I'll talk to you with that same tone. But if you come to me like with some bullshit like oh you're putting the address wrong, all this shit it's just like nah. I'm not and then he's like, Oh, I'm gonna receive the packages or whatever. So me and my, and my girl, we've been thinking of moving for a while because, you know, I don't like living in the ghetto. We live in a pretty rough area. I haven't had any issues ever, but, and to be honest, like I mean, I mean, there's like crimes and shit, robberies, and I haven't experienced that. And, you know, it's, it's not above me. Like, it's shit that I think about and I do want to go to a better place. Obviously, for financial situations, you need to make compromises. But we've been thinking of moving for a while. And, and you know, like, it's fucked because a lot of times I would say shit like, you know, I live in a working neighborhood, you know, where everybody's working class and all this shit. Like, you know, that that's cool, you know. You live with people that are hustling and grinding every day to make it. And then certain shit happens. Like, for example, I had the situation with the neighbor, but that's just one thing. And then like, you see other stuff around, you see like these people that don't behave, that don't know how to live in a society. And then you just like, fuck man, like I really wanted to like think that, you know, I could live here and like with working people. But then I'm just like, nah man, fuck this. Like, so, I mean, obviously I wanna move just to have a bigger place. I want to have a dedicated place for the studio. Uh you know from what you see here. Hopefully it looks great to you but you know I am sort of doing what I can with the space that I have. So I do want to go to a bigger place and anyway, I've been thinking about it. But certain shit ha- has been happening where it makes it even more clear like yeah man like like fuck it I got to get out the hood. And and you know this brings me to another topic which has to do with the restrictions. For example, in Spain, how hard it is to rent a place, right? There's so many requirements, right? And also the requirements that they ask are hard to get because in Spain, all, a lot of jobs are shit, so you don't get like a right out good contract, like a permanent contract. It's always like some temporary shit. So what happens is the people that want to rent the apartments, they ask for, like, a certain threshold that you need to make uh, that everyone that's going to live there has to have, like, a fucking golden contract that says they're never going to fire you. And it's just a lot of shit, right? Uh, Part of the reasons why I hadn't moved yet, one of them being, like, I mean, it is a funny situation with, you know, the world situation happening with, you know, what's happening. The fact that jobs, you know, there's a crisis, jobs are less. So, you know, I, I, I'm not even sure if I'm going to be staying where I work or if, I, if or they might fire me. I mean, nobody knows, you know. But also, I was waiting for my, for my girlfriend to get a good contract because it, it, it is required for us, like, to get a good place. You're going to ask for a bunch of shit. So now we're sort of in a good position where we have a good base, to go and rent whatever we want. I mean, of course, within our price range, but paper-wise, requirements-wise, we have good jobs, uh, good enough earnings, you know. But what, what happens is, it's taking me a while to get to that point. But before that, I mean, I was still a responsible person working. I'm still going to pay the rent, but I just can't get a job that gives me a good contract. They just give you shitty contracts, right? So what ends up happening is the government gets involved, right? And you know, in Spain, it's very it's, it's very lefty, right? Which, hey, I'm sort of in the middle. I don't want to get in a discussion. You know, I think there's things to grab from both sides. But one thing that the left likes to do is just be very compassionate, right? or at least seem to be so they make it so that if you cannot pay for your rent and you stop paying it it's very hard for the landlord to to kick you out right because like this whole social like moral argument comes into place where like oh you cannot kick them out and if they have kids the people that are in your as a landlord the people that rent your place if they have kids and they stop paying, man, it becomes exponentially harder to get them out because social laws, you know, um, help the 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 people in, in, inside. And I understand like the the difficulties of of like not having money to you know to pay for where you live and shit. But the, 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 what happens is that the very people at the bottom get fucked over the most when you try to implement. This loss. And let me explain why. I've been living in a ghetto for a while because this was the only apartment that I could get with the type of job contracts that I had. I had a lot of non temporary jobs, but they gave me temporary contracts and they just renewed it a lot because, you know, that's what happens when you have an economy that's not really thriving. So, you know, if you want to get into that, if the economy is thriving, then companies are going to battle each other out to get the best workers. And for you to get a best worker, you cannot offer them a temporary contract. You have to offer them a good contract. But when shit is not going well, the workers will take any fucking contract because they need a job, right? So that was my position. So I could only get the apartment where I'm at now. Now, what happens is, if I want to get a better place that I can afford... They don't want to give it to me because I don't have the guarantees. And that sounds like it's fucked up, right, from the owner to be so demanding of me to prove that I'm going to be able to pay. But what happens is the owner needs to take, the owner, the landlord has to take all those precautions. Because if I end up not paying and wanting to stay, it's going to take months, even years for that person to kick me out of the apartment. Because the law allows me to have as a as a um, as a renter that facility and this is a fucked up part if the owner knew that by the law if you don't pay for the rent they can kick you out with the police coming and kicking you out then the owner wouldn't give a fuck about demanding so many requirements because he knows that look I don't care if you I don't even care if you don't have a job You know, I mean, I'm going to the extreme, but like, let's say you're renting to someone that doesn't have a job, right? But he has enough money to pay for it. You're like, well, you do you. If you cannot pay one month, then you're out and that's it, right? But because the owner knows that they could actually leave that person there for years before you can kick him out, the owner is gonna ask for a thousand requirements, right? So what ends up happening is that the people at the bottom that would need for someone to allow them to rent their house or their apartment well now they cannot even get an apartment because the landlord is asking them for contracts and requirements that they that they do not have but they could pay for the for the place but they just don't have the requirements to make the landlord feel secure that if you don't pay I'm fucked as a landlord because to kick you out is a fucking mission. So I understand the side of the landlord. And and because of this, this is why I think this type of laws, and this happens everywhere, like laws that protect too much the renter, that what ends up happening is then it's going to be a lot harder for you to be able to rent a place because they're going to take precautions. As someone coming from the bottom, you know, started from the bottom, now we're here, it's really started from the bottom, now we're in the, like, almost at the bottom but a little bit higher. That's where we add, but you know, starting from the bottom, now we're here. Starting from the bottom, i much rather you as a landlord being able to kick me out of your house as soon as I cannot pay rent, but knowing that you will rent it to me easily. Because as a worker from the bottom, if, I'm, if I have the ease of being able to get a place to live, That's going to make it a lot easier for me to climb the ladder of progress if i cannot even get a place to live because the job i have is not secure enough and because of that the landlord is scared that if i don't have to enough money to pay i can stay in their in their place and and practically up the owner's finances because landlords also need to eat and pay shit then they're not going to rent it to me so what you create is this fucking cycle of bullshit where the owners need to protect themselves. The renters don't have enough requirements, and, and you're stuck in this loop where it's so hard to to get a place to live. So, yeah, I know these aren't the main topics that I wanted to talk about, but I think this shit, you know, just fucking hit me. You know, like how how certain laws can just fuck up, you know, so much shit. So, well, anyways, anyway. We had recently a situation, another situation. I mean, it's a pretty historic event. Maradona, Diego Maradona, the football player, soccer, Argentinian football player. If you don't know who he is, you might be a bit lost in life. But you know what? Someone who's considered one of the best football players in history passed away a few days ago. And it was very interesting to see the different responses and reactions from people about this death, you know? Normally, I mean, it is Diego Maradona, so I do gotta, you know, you know, when in Rome. But normally when a celebrity passes away, most of what you see on social media is just positive things, you know. If anything, maybe too positive. People that didn't even know the person are like, oh, I love your songs and shit. And with Maradona, I mean, it wasn't the exception. <coughs> you had a lot of people <coughs> praising him <coughs> and talking about, you know, how he influenced the, not only the world of football but the world of sports. <coughs> I myself, I'm not a fan of Maradona, but I understand. The impact that he had right and what was interesting about his death is that you had half of the people saddened by this by the situation and you know praising him honoring him remembering all of his achievements and and inputs to 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 the world of football and and athletics in general and then the other half is people hating on him right because for people that don't know maradona outside of the field had a very dark uh personal life to say the least and you know i'm not gonna talk about this in a judging manner it's really uh you know because i don't i think everyone has skeletons in their closet so But I'm going to touch on both sides because it's interesting with this one. Celebrities in general, when they pass, it's very strange what happens because you feel this connection to the person even though you don't know them. Uh, And and I'll talk about some passings that that stuck on me. Uh, So with Maradona, you know, you have so many people hating on him because, well, he was a drug addict. Um, he was not the best with his family from what I understand there are news and reports that he was violent with his wife or women that he you know slept with underage girls so you know he's he's far from from uh, you know from polemic situations you know I mean, this guy apparently was wild, a wild party guy. And all of, this, all of this is allegedly, right? This is what you can look in the in the internet and see. On another note, and this is, I guess, a reason why you would say I personally would hate this guy, is that he supported the uh, the communist movement in Venezuela and in many countries in South America. But in Venezuela, right, he was good friends with the uh, Chavez the regime leader in in where I'm from right where I, where I was born in Venezuela so because of that you know you would think you know I mean I always thought like man this guy's so stupid like for supporting that and maybe in the past when I was younger I would have had certain feelings of hatred towards, towards the guy but when this happened it was strange because I actually felt sorry for him and I, not that I got mad at the negative reaction, because it doesn't bother me. I think I believe free speech is a thing, so I support it all the way, all the time. But you know, I, I wa- you would see a lot of people putting memes of his death, right, in a in a funny, uh, negative way, and and I I felt like you know what, man. I don't, I don't feel like even close to doing something like that. And again, I'm not judging people who did, who made fun of his death and and who of who he was as in a private life. But it just felt like in that moment of death, even the shittiest of people, I feel like should have some. Peace or respect. I don't know if that's the word. And I know that this is weird to say because, for example, when we talk about like someone like Hitler, if he dies, right, it's a celebration, right? Because this, this person killed so many people, caused so much damage to the world, that his death means that a lot of people will not die, right? So you can understand that. When Chavez died, who was the president of Venezuela for many years, corrupt, communist, populist leader that caused a lot of damage and stole all the rich from Venezuela. When he died, the people that opposed him, even including me, were happy, you know? And, and at the time, I was younger as well. So, you know, when you're, when you're younger, you're a bit more, like, aggressive towards things, right? So I was like, yeah, fuck him. He died. Fuck, you know, like... Because that meant that it was closer for the regime to deteriorate... To the, to, the, to, the, to, the, to fucking fall down. And for my country to be free again and have a, a democracy, right? So you could understand that as well. Now... With Maradona, and this, again, this is my personal feeling. When when I found out about his death and I started seeing all these memes, there were even memes of him dancing with Chavez, right? Because they, they used to, like, chill. And, you know, memes like, oh, now you're dan- they're dancing in, in hell together or whatever. And I just think that he destroyed his life. But I don't see how he necessarily hurt anybody else. You know, if it is true that he was with younger girls, you know, I could see how that, you know, they're victims that could be fucked, uh, fucked up about it. Uh, his family that suffered through his violence, if you know, if, if that was something that happened, I could understand how they were. But, you know, when you talk about Chavez or Hitler, I mean, these are people that caused literally people to die, like a lot of people to die and, and live shitty lives. With Maradona, it's like, as much as I don't like the guy... And even in the football world, again, I didn't see him play, so he didn't really affect me much in the football world. Like maybe Cristiano Ronaldo, Messi, Ronaldinho did, you know, like because of, of, of my generation. But you know, I don't like the. I, I never really liked the guy, and the fact that he was involved with the fucking regime in in, in Venezuela wasn't something that I enjoyed. But even, like, him supporting the regime in Venezuela, I just don't think he knew what he was, like, really supporting. Like, you got to understand, like, Maradona comes from a very poor place in Argentina, right? Argentina already being a place that has lived many crises, he came from, like, one of the poorest places in Argentina. And Argentina... I'm not going to get into the reasons why, but it mainly has to do with Perón and Peronismo or uh, Peronism, which is like the belief that a president in the past, Perón, had, which was very socialist and I would say even towards communism. But they're very lefty and not everyone in Argentina, of course. But if you come from the lower classes, then it's, it's even more engraved in you to be left. To, to, to expect help from the government, to think that people who have money are, you know, are fucking pieces of shit. So this guy coming from that and, and also coming from a place where the people in power are corrupt and steal money. So I can totally understand how if you come from the hood in Argentina, you're like, yeah, fuck these motherfuckers. We need help for these people because that is the case. These people do need help. So I don't even think this guy really understood like why he supported the regime in Venezuela. He just thought, well, these guys are on the left. They say they want to help the people. So fuck it. Like that seemed to be my camp. So I don't even fucking blame him for that because I really don't think that he had the mental capacity to understand that far. You know, this was a football player. You know, that like partying, cocaine, and women. You know, and I, and really I can't be judging him for that shit. Uh, obviously, the underage part. Which I'm not 100% sure that was the case But if it was, obviously that's another level Fucked up But to sort of conclude I just didn't feel Right about Shitting on someone's death um, Being him, you know Like, Like I understand Like I said, with Chavez or Hitler Or like people like that Serial killers when they die, you could have a a bit of joy that's connected to the fact they, you know, that they won't be hurting other people. But like Maradona, to me, he just fucked his, he just fucked himself up, you know. So why, you know, like me, the response I had from someone that doesn't like Maradona, he died. I was just like, mm, man, I feel I feel sorry for him, and then. That was it, man. Like, I didn't have a, an energy strong enough to, like, go and, like, just do some vile shit. And I know most people that are posting this stuff online, they're not doing, like, I think a lot of it has to do with the effect of social media that wants people to be fucking just vicious about shit, you know? and the more impactful that you can be is like the stronger your your voice is, you know, and but you know that ain't me. And I don't know if this comes as a surprise for the English English speaking audience, but in the in the in the Hispanic Latin South American Spanish speaking world, you do see this this divide between the people that love Maradona and the people that hate him. So, you know, obviously you can understand why people hate him, right? Like, there was another point on this, which was the fact that it was a huge, um, you know, for, like, the the burial and the whole ceremony when someone dies and the casket and people go see him and stuff. It was huge, like, in Argentina. I mean, this was huge, the amount of people, right? And even the president, like, you know, uh, supported this type of uh, massive ceremony. So there were some crit- critiques regarding like, well, there's people that are dying of, you know, what's happening in the world, and their family members cannot even be with them when they're dying, so they die alone because there's restrictions. In Argentina, they're very restrictive with this with the situation at the moment. But then this person dies, and because of who he was they allow you know millions or well, I wouldn't say millions but hundreds of thousands of people to go and like massively get together right so I do understand that part you know even though I like I like I was mentioning I don't understand why you want to hate on this person that passed I do get why people would get mad at about that topic now for the people that hate them and don't understand like how can anyone like you know have this person as an idol and you know or and love them there are things that you also need to see on the other side like this guy comes came from a very poor background he achieved so much and he gave he made it possible for poor people in argentina to like that if they played good enough football they could fucking get out the slums you know He gave inspiration to so many people. And when he came back to Argentina, from what I also read, he allegedly helped a lot of people, you know? Like, in the hood, he gave back to the hood. So, you know, you you can't scratch that away. Like, that's also a thing. And and on the other side, and, and this is why it sort of becomes like a not just an Argentinian idol, but a world idol. When he came to Europe, he played in Barcelona at the beginning, but he had an injury, so he didn't really do much in Barcelona. He then went to Napoli, who's you know is the team in Naples. And this was a team that really didn't achieve much. They were sort of towards the bottom of the of the roster. And then Maradona took him to the top and they won cups. They won the the league, which, you know, was so he became like an idol in Naples. And, you know, from what they say uh, after Sunday's game for Sunday to Thursday, he will go with, you know, Naples gangsters and, you know, party and who knows, you know, what how what level of party. But I'm pretty sure it was. They were pretty fun parties you know <laughs> but he had this lifestyle right um, remember that you know south south of Italy is very similar to and this is from people that I've met it's very similar to Latin I mean they, they, they are Latin too because Latin people people think Latin only sometimes relates to South Americans Latin is all languages that, that originate from the Latin original language right And that includes France, Portugal, Spain, uh, Italy, and believe it or not, Romania. Romanian's language, the origin is Latin. So many words in Romania are actually similar to Spanish because of that, which is a weird thing. And I didn't know that until recently. But in any ways, South of Europe and South of Spain, too, is very much like people in South America. I wouldn't say exactly, but they're closer to, you know. So... You know diego maradona going to naples i mean it would, it's a perfect match he wanted to party he was in a place that was very warm you know like people wise i mean it's also warm weather in the summer but it was you know i'm pretty sure it was it was a good party you know but you know maybe not the best decisions if you accumulate it for many years um but they love them they have statues over there i mean it, it people in naples and in southern uh italy they just love them you know because of the emotions and people have to understand that sports can really cause emotions can really <clears throat> you know i remember watching this movie about nelson mandela in south africa the morgan freeman movie which by the way i mean who else could have played mandela better than than Morgan Freeman. I mean, by the way, that was a fucking amazing movie with uh, Matt Damon, who was the rugby captain of the team. That movie shows you the power of, of sports, right? Because sports sometimes might seem vain, might seem like, yeah, it's just a fucking bunch of people running one side to put it in one basket and come, or, you know, go through a goal. And it's like, sometimes I even see it as like, why people like on this shit so much and there are toxic parts of it especially in football in Europe you know you have hooligans and people that go crazy over it but there is a legitimate passion that comes from it when it's steered positively that that really like lingers in people you know and in that Nelson I can't remember what's the name of the movie but you, you know which one I'm talking about Mar- Morgan Freeman Matt Damon it's about apartheid, and when Nelson Mandela uh, got out of th- almost 30 jails in jail, at, uh, in prison, I think 27 years, he got out, Apar- apartheid ended, he became president or prime minister of South Africa, and then the sports of rugby, which was mainly played by white South Africans, right, that's where the like racist conflict comes from. They won the World Cup, the Rugby World Cup when Nelson Mandela came and the whole story united a country you know and like black South Africans and white South Africans United and I don't know what's the situation today and if if, if it's really improved racially, but that definitely was a step towards towards uh, improvement and you know coexisting with one another. But anyways, if you haven't watched that movie, you got to watch it, but in general just sports you know, like what he does to people, you know, like I remember, well, I don't remember because I wasn't there, but I remember watching movies of the hockey games between the USA and the USSR or Russia at the time when the Cold War was happening and the USA, I think, beat them in in hockey. And I don't know if it was played in Russia, too, or maybe that part wasn't, that's not correct. But the, the fact is that That went above and beyond sports, right? It was like literally the two countries sort of battling it out in that game, which happened also in chess. Bobby Fischer, right? Uh, There's a movie about it with with the guy that did the original Spider-Man. Can't remember his name right now. But uh, he plays Bobby Fischer, who was an American chess player, who beat the Russian guy, and you know it's a movie about him because he had some crazy faces, and it's actually a sad story from what I understand. You know, if you watch the movies, Bobby Fischer was, you know, he had issues too. So that, but it seems like if you play chess, I mean, you gotta have some. If you be good at it, you gotta be a. You got there's gotta be something wrong with you that makes you fucking another level, right? And I recently saw this series. In netflix which you have to watch the queen's gambit right and it's about chess and you know i mean if you haven't seen it see it before you listen to this even though i'm not really going to i don't think it would be a spoiler because what i'm gonna say is not gonna invalidate you watching it because it's just a great series but if you sort of want to be fresh then you might want to stop here, watch it, and then come back because there are gonna be some spoilers. I would uh, assume if you want to look at that, look at it that way. But the movie, I, f- I fucking was—it's like a long movie, right? It's like a seven-series um, mini-series, and it's fucking amazing. To start off, and I've mentioned this before with the review that I did for the Barbarians. Um, well actually no barbarians, I reviewed it on my Spanish podcast. If you speak Spanish, make sure that you listen to El Poscat de Kiko, which is on my on my music page, Kiko Cervantes. And on that channel, you can listen to other topics that I that I do in Spanish. And it's a bit of a different format, so <clears throat> you might like it. But I reviewed Barbarians at one point, which is also on Netflix, which is also great. And one of the things that I loved about that is that it's six, seven episodes, and that's it, man. It's right to the point, cut to the chase, give me the fucking story. The Queen's Gambit, Gambit, the same thing, man. Seven episodes, and this shit is fire, man. It's fucking amazing. And what I loved about it, you know, it has to do with this girl. She's an orphan, and she learns how to play chess with the janitor of the orphanage. And what she becomes a fucking boss at chess and you know she goes through like the different competitions beating the different people she plays against a russian that's you know it, it sort of parallels bobby fisher's uh encounter with the russian guy i don't remember the, the guy's name at the moment I, sh- I should know it but you know if you look for a russian you know best russian chess player you're gonna see the name uh And pretty much it's about like the story of a hero right of someone that comes from the bottom and now he's here sorry about the bottom now the whole thing fucking here she does that playing chess and it was set in the like 1960s so you know back then women were even more disadvantaged well i wouldn't say more disadvantaged i don't necessarily think women today in first world countries have a disadvantage um but back then it was a different story right and the part that I love the most about this um, series, and this is coming from someone that's always weary about some political agenda being pushed on you, like with L- um, LGBT or, you know, racial stuff. Like whenever something's being pushed to just like force diversity or like force a specific agenda politically, I fucking reject it right away. And in this one... You root for the girl beating all the guys because, like I said, this was in the '60s, so women really didn't um, do certain things that only guys did. And in chess, it was a it's a man's world as well. And when she she's fucking beating them and owning them at their game, it never feels pushy. It never feels like, oh, look at this girl, that's a hero, and and you know she's going against the you know patriarch or whatever no you always feel like you're rooting for her and you're like yeah fuck those men up you you're a boss girl you know do this shit you're fucking owning them and you're rooting for them because it's so organic it's like organic you feel you feel like it just clicks like she's just a boss ass individual who happens to be a woman and I mean of course the women part does play a role because obviously men are like, fuck, she beat me and she's a woman, and and that's natural to think, you know. But I'm not saying it's right, but you see the effect of it. And the most beautiful part of it is that the men don't cut her any slack, right? They're like, No, I don't I'm gonna actually, because she was a girl, you almost feel like the man Wanted to destroy them. To destroy her, right? But when she would beat the, the individuals. They would respect the shit out of her. And like. Let her know and acknowledge. What a boss she's being. So you could feel. There is like. Isn't that beautiful? In a competition. That when you lose. This is what it was called being a good loser. Recognizing that that person won. It's such a powerful thing in respecting that win, because if you don't, you're not respecting the system, which would give you the same gratification if you were the one who won. I saw this recently on another movie. It's also on Netflix. You got to watch this movie. It's called Rush. It's a story about Niki Lauda, Niki Lauda, who was an Austrian driver for a Formula One. And the story sort of shows you the the seasons in Formula One where he battled against James Hunt, a British uh, Formula One driver who also won World Championship like Niki Laura. Um, And he shows you how that competitiveness, but respect for your rival, sort of like what happens with Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo, where like, I need to be a little bit hostile with you, and sometimes maybe not a little bit, maybe pretty hostile, because... I'm fucking competing with you. But when the match is over and shit, maybe they're not hugging, but they recognize each other's fierce competitiveness. And and you see it in the Queen's Gambit. The fact, like, at the end of the, the, the you know, spoiler, at the end, she, you know, like, it's a, it's a hero movie. You can predict, like, this is not the first time you see a transition like this, because this is an archetype hero story that already exists it's just you know you pu- you paint it with different characters and it's a chess game instead of gladiator or whatever but when she beats the russian guy the fucking top of the fucking mountain guy the guy literally goes like yeah you got it you know and, she, and sorry you didn't see this I did it down here she shakes he he shakes her hand or or you know he hugs her like and everyone in the room is clapping for her man that fucking movie made me tear up and not in like a oh my god it's so no in like a in a good way like in a happy way you know when you tear up for like happiness which that tearing up is weird because you you relate tears to sadness and, and when you get that feeling of Oh, you know, like when you watch that movie, remember the Titans? Oh, fuck. That movie just, uh, just it hits there, you know, if you want to watch, I think I've, I've recommended this before. If you want to watch a movie that has to do with with the racial situation in the U.S. back in the 60s, but, but told in a very beautiful and righteous way, not politically inclined or anything, just it's such a beautiful moment. Um, But yeah, you know, they're clapping for this girl when she beats the Russian. And it just felt beautiful that it wasn't like, oh, you beat me, you girl. Fuck you. Like, no, it was like they were amazed at it. It's sort of like in, in Spain when Ronaldinho played in Barcelona against Real Madrid, their rivals. He played so beautifully. Ronaldinho, you, you got to check his highlights in Barcelona. He played so beautifully that when he beat Real Madrid in Real Madrid's home stadium, the fans of the Real Madrid got up and clapped for him. That's that's unheard of. For the opposite team's fans to fucking clap for you out of respect of how beautiful you played the game. And that's the type of shit that goes beyond sports. It goes more into the human psychic, the human mentality, the way that we work, the human... Condition is such a beautiful thing, right? Whenever I think of how fucked up the world is, it leads me back to how beautiful the human condition can also be, you know? So like I said, watch this movie the, or series, The Queen's Gambit. It, it made me fucking want to play chess again. I remember when I was young in Venezuela, I got in the, in the school chess team out of, coincidence I was just passing by one afternoon and one guy was like oh you want to play chess we're teaching people how to play and I went to a few competitions but I don't know I mean I don't know if I'm good at it it's it's a a beautiful game when you think about it chess you know it it seems simple but there's millions of combinations and it it is it is a game of like war right there's a game that I do play that's kind of like chess it's called Warcraft Three. It's an RPG game, which which is which means uh, real. Uh, sorry, not an RPG, an RTS game, which is real-time strategy. And pretty much is you build a base and you start growing an army, and then the other person as well, and then you attack each other, and the goal is to destroy the other's person completely. And it's called Warcraft, right? It's the craft of war. And that's what chess is. Chess is two armies going at it. And with different tactics fucking each other up. And it's such a beautiful game, you know. I I think I probably suck at it. But that series made me want to start playing again. Uh, I mean, it's a good exercise for the mind. Obviously. And... Yeah, I mean it is a sport so you are practicing something that should make your the way your brain works better. You know, and touching on this on the video game subject. I kind of like don't like when people talk about video games like just wasting your time because this game that I play Warcraft is such a game that has to do with strategy and and repeating things and and improvising on how to attack, how to move. It almost seems like it is training something and exercising a part of my brain that I could use in the future for other things. So, I mean, obviously, I don't think it's healthy for you to play video games all all day, all night, all day, all night. I, 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 what the fuck? But if you play a few hours and you enjoy it and you also exercise and... You know, you balance your life. I don't think why it should be a negative thing, you know. I mean, even if you're not going to be a pro, because, you know, you've he- you've heard the argument with video games like, dude, you can make millions nowadays with gaming, bruh. And uh, really, not really, okay? Maybe 1% of the people can do it. The rest, you know, you're going to eat shit. But just the fact that you could release stress and play some video games. I don't see anything wrong with that, you know? And I even think that it exercises the mind. So if anybody's, you know, down talking it, you know, fuck you, dog. It is also a sports. It's an e <laughs> Uh But, you know, I was looking into a bit of the story of the Queen's Gambit, and this is a project that's based on a book, and it's actually been almost a decade, if not more, that this project was planned to be done. Uh, I think at the beginning it was maybe gonna be a movie. You know, keep in mind that ten years ago, series wasn't as big as it is today. And this is a fun fact here: that movie or series—I'm not sure if it was gonna be a series. Like I said, it was gonna be directed by Heath Ledger, and it was actually gonna be Heath Ledger' uh, director debut. He was gonna direct it. And you know, like, if you don't know, Heath Ledger passed before he could do this, and was an amazing actor. He's the one that did um, the Joker in in the bad uh, in the Batman movie, uh, and probably the best. Uh, I mean, the the Joker talk is the debate of which one's the best. I guess it does have to do with which one you grew up with. I would assume that people that grew up with the, you know, back-in-the-day Joker, they would, you know, they would have different connections. But to me, Heath Ledger Joker was amazing. I mean, the movie, you know, directed by by, by Christopher Nolan, you know, the whole saga is amazing. But the one where Heath Ledger plays a Joker, you know, that movie transcended superhero movies. And it still had, like, a typical superhero movie um, script, you know, with, like, battles and shit. But the character, you know, was so compelling. And I recently saw the Joaquin Phoenix um, Joker, which, to be honest, I loved it, too. I, I, I felt like one didn't shadow the other one, which was... Something that people feared for, so I don't I don't take anything down from the Joaquin Phoenix. I think it was amazing, one of my favorite Jokers, but my favorite Joker keeps being Heath Ledger, um, and I don't know why, and 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 you know you could say that the Joker that Joaquin Phoenix played was even more indie, you know, it was more dark, so that makes it like whoa, well, this should be. Because Heath Ledger's was still commercial. It was still a commercial film that had that superhero feeling. Even though it was Christopher Nolan, who's a fucking genius, right? He did Inception, Interstellar. I'm missing uh, one, probably. Um, But yeah, I mean, it was just greatly made. And and the way that the Joker changed it. Because that was the first time that a villain got out of the normal script that you would see in a superhero movie, right? Like, you would see a lot of villains that didn't really have much dialogue. It was more like, oh, I'm the bad guy and explosions and shit. This was, like, the first time that I saw a villain go deep into, like, his psyche and, like, the way he thought and shit, you know? And the famous lines when he's talking to Harvey Dent in the hospital, right? The guy that becomes the Two-Face guy. And he's telling him, like like uh for, for what like, he's saying that like when people expect something that's going to happen even if it's horrible you know nobody panics but when something happens that they didn't expect it's like everybody and then he's he's talking about how like chaos like how he loves chaos because like you know he burns the money right like he doesn't have this desire for money it's more a desire of of just flipping it you know like like, um, like Batman's, um, Butler says, fucking, I can't remember this guy's name right now, but amazing actor. He says that some people just want to see the world burn. And that's what you got from these heat ledgers, uh, thing where like, he's like, not just a madman, but just like, I don't give a fuck dog. <laughs> and, and you felt that. And even at the end when Batman's going to kill him, he's like, yeah, kill me dog. This is what I want you to do. And Batman cannot kill him. It's like, fuck. Because Batman is not able to make this motherfucker suffer, right? Because like you would think, if I got you by the balls, then you scared. Then I got power over you. And when the Joker, that is exactly what he's looking for. He's looking to be beat up and killed. Then Batman is like, I don't even know how to deal with you. I don't even know how to hurt you. Because hurting you, you like that. <laughs> and you really felt that and you know when when he passed they asked um jack nicholson i remember now who who played the joker at one point they told him like you know one of these interviews like tmc type shit like hey he later has passed like you know, what? what's your opinion on this? Which, you know, by the way, it's a pretty shitty fucking way to approach someone like, hey, this person that you might love and care for died. What the fuck you got to say about it? So, but when they asked him that, he said, oh, and I'm paraphrasing, right? He said something like, fuck, I told him to not do that, that Joker role. Or I told him to be careful with that. Something like that. So, there is a stigma that when you do the Joker role, you need to get in this dark place that can even fuck up your mind. And, and, you know, some people think that one of the reasons or one of the main factors why Heath Ledger sadly passed is because, you know, because of like some depression or dark place that he went, you know, when he got in character to do Batman. So, you know, it's it's, it's heavy. How, how something like that can, can cause some issues. But you know, it's going back a bit on the celebrity deaths. You know, when Heath Ledger died. It, you know, it it was a very sad death because it was somebody that was literally coming up. He had the best roles still to be made to. And it's so sad when something like that happens, you know? And, you know, I, I kind of felt similar with, with Robin Williams. When he passed, even though he was older, you felt like, man, there was the best roles for Robin Williams were going to come. You know, like whenever you see like Jack Nicholson or uh, Robert De Niro, Al Pacino, now they're doing roles as older men. There's this magic to it as well, you know there's this beauty to it, um but you know it's a weird phenomena when when celebrity when celebrities die because there's a connection that people have with the person and and for a while, I didn't think that a celebrity passing could affect me because you know I don't know the person. But I remember recently I had a strange one that affected me and it took me like a while to realize and maybe I don't even really understand why it affected me and I'll explain why it was when when um Chadwick Boseman passed sadly you know the the actor that played the Black Panther and he played all the other important roles I have not seen a movie where he played i barely knew of him i knew of him because of of the black panther movie and all the commercials and trailers and one day i just wake up uh i believe i was off that day i wasn't working and i went to the bathroom in the morning you know just like ritual you go to the bathroom you know start getting freshed up and i'm looking at my phone and, you know, as soon as you go on Facebook, you start seeing the post. And and then I'm like, and then I read, like, 47-year-old, you know, out of, you know, cancer. And, you know, he kept it a secret for a bit. And, and he hit me so hard. Like, I didn't even know this guy's movies. Like, I wasn't attached to him at all. But it was something about his age that I was just like, I'm I'm 31 now. And I'm, you know, I'm like always having these psychotic fucking episodes where I'm like, fuck, like I'm, you know, I'm getting towards the end of life instead of like the beginning, and I gotta accomplish all this shit. And then you read this guy was 47, which is not really that far from my age. And I don't know if it was, I still don't know what it was. I don't know if it was the age. I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was the fact that he was fucking about to blow up and start doing even better, like more deep and more meaningful roles but man i remember i cried and i couldn't believe it i was just like because i i couldn't believe it you know like well, that i that i really was crying because i i didn't have this attachment but he just hit him. i was like fuck man and i remember saying man that's so sad like it was almost like i got into his into his state of being and what his family would be going through. And what he would be going through of like, I'm rising in life. And then all of a sudden, it's taken. And I just thought like, how sad it is, man. How sad that was. I was just like, man, how sad is this? How sad is this? And it hit me. I was like, fuck, man. That was that. the The other one that affected me. But this one was someone that I was attached with artistically that I did follow was Anthony Bourdain, you know? And I think that with Anthony Bourdain, he wasn't like this superstar, but the people that really followed him really felt, I mean, this guy was just like a, you could feel he was a beautiful human being, the way that he looked at things. He was like a philosopher, but also a chef. And he looked at life the way that <laughs> cooks in like a kitchen would look at it and i have a little bit of a background because i mean my first job were like dishwasher and like having that relationship with what's behind that door that goes to the front of the restaurant like once you go back it's a different world it's a dark world right it's like you know motherfuckers like doing cocaine because the cook has to do 16 hour shifts and shit and you're like yo what the fuck um so it's a crazy world right and anthony bourdain let you see life through that lens with his own perspective and that was the first time where I was like oh fuck man when I was really attached to someone artistically and then realizing you won't have more content from this person and I'm not saying it in a like selfish way like oh we need more videos no I mean like you won't be able to hear this person's opinions in life anymore. And outlook in life anymore. And that that saddened me, you know. So so yeah, I mean those are the ones that that, that affected me. But I did understand after those situations how people could be so attached to someone, you know, like like when Kobe died, I felt that Vicariously through other people, because I didn't have that connection with Kobe, but I did feel sad in the same way with like Bozeman. It was like ah, so young, so much in front of him, such a nice energy that he that you that you saw him give to people. You know, I'm not a basketball guy, so I'm not gonna like talk shit here and say, oh, I watched him play since I was little, because it's bullshit. But you know, everyone knows Kobe's life, and it it was it was that type of sad. And, but you know, the connection that people have, and and like I said, even though it's just sports, and it could be just movies that the guy does, or it could be whatever, it just gives you this feeling like, ah, that connection, you know? It's crazy how you can have a connection with someone you do not know. I heard someone say that, that technology has advanced so quickly that our bodies and brains have not caught up to it, so the only way that you would have a connection with somebody, someone that you see constantly and hear constantly, right? And because in the last hundred hundreds of years, or you know, like really maybe a hundred years, you are able to see and hear people through TV and now through social media, YouTube, whatever. Your brain doesn't really differentiate the fact that that's not really a someone that you know personally, but more that you're seeing through a screen. But our brains haven't adapted fast enough to that technology, so there is a belief that we can sort of, our brain gets tricked into having this connection with these people because the requirements that need to be met, which is like hearing this person, seeing them, are being met even though they're not physically there or even addressing you directly. So it is a bit of a weird way of looking at it, but it makes sense, you know, that we still have this primitive brain that doesn't really go as fast as technology is going. So our body reacts to certain stimulus in the same way that it would 5,000 years ago, even though this is something that should be, Absorb differently like you should your brain should be able to differ you know if it's like a celebrity that you don't know or if it's your father right and I guess you, you kind of do have a different way of going about it but I just think it's a beautiful part of the human condition that you can have connection with someone that you don't really know directly but that you have gotten to know them through their through their philosophy you know I mean this happens with like writers and thinkers that I listen to you know like one that comes to mind is like jordan peterson or thomas sowell you know these are you know brilliant minds that that i feel like i know part of them and i mean if you you haven't read thomas sowell you gotta read this guy he's 90 years old still kicking still writing still fucking giving the truth you know and i hope he lives 90 years more i mean I think those are people that that I will be saddened, but you know I don't even want to mention this type of stuff. I don't want to bring that upon anyone. I'm just saying, like I, I see what could be that little thing that makes people really uh, be saddened by a situation like that. You know, so you know, leave in the comments below what what you think of that phenomenon with celebrities. If if you have felt this with a specific specific celebrities passing. Um, you know, if you have any thoughts about the review of the mini series, the the Queen's Gambit, let me know what you think. If, if if you agree with me that it was like a nice movie about women empowerment, but without that negative agenda, that's pushy. You know, if you don't agree with that, let me know what you think and. And if you have any any thoughts on the Maradona situation as well and your neighbors, if you have any issues with them, if you have a good relationship with them, if you think you should be friendly with them or, or keep them at a distance so that they don't fuck around and, and, and think it's all fun and game. So, you know, let me know. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Always happy to share my fucking stupid ideas with you and hopefully you enjoy my rambling today i will be with you very soon on another episode of the brosky doodles podcast and once again thank you for tuning in and listening so have a good day good afternoon good morning good weekend whenever you're listening to this and see you in a bit peace